Isn't it fascinating how creative we can get when we need to come up with an excuse? And even regarding the excuses we give ourselves. This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tafos Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We're up to the Torah portion of Pinchas, and we are at the point where Pinchas is being rewarded for the behavior he displayed at the end of last week's parsha. End of last week's portion, Pinchas recognizing the corrupt behavior of the tribal leader of Shimon and the princess of, of Midian. Pinchas checks with Moshe, didn't you teach us that under these unique circumstances, the law is that one can take up sword to eliminate the wrong behavior, to rid the world of this corruption? Moshe said, you are correct, and since you are the one who brought this to our attention, who basically reminded us of this statement, you should be the one to do so. And Pinchas, with sword in hand, eliminates this tribal leader of Shimon, the princess of Midian. They're not named, by the way, that way in last week's portion. Last week's portion is simply anonymous, but now when we're discussing Pinchas' heroism, why God is rewarding Pinchas, we do highlight who they were to realize what bravery Pinchas did have to take this action. That said, some raise the question, weren't there others who recognized that this behavior warranted such a reaction? If Moshe had taught this law to Pinchas, he had taught this law to others as well. Why did nobody else take sword in hand to do what is ultimately the bidding of God? Question number two. At the beginning of this parsha, when we are introduced to Pinchas once again, God's about to reward him, he is described as Pinchas ben Elazar. Okay, that was his father's name. Ben Aharon HaKohen. Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, we're recognizing his grandfather for some reason over here. We didn't need to draw attention to his ancestry when we first met him. Why right now are we mentioning not only who Pinchas is, okay, father's name, that's almost like the surname in the ancient times, but why reference the grandfather? And Rashi fills us into the fact that people were challenging Pinchas. You, who come from rather questionable pedigree, because on the other side of his family, he emanated from Yisro, who had originally been an idolater, you have idolatry in your background, and you're the one to take up sword against a tribal leader of Shimon, some level of derision, to which the text is responding, Hashem is saying, uh, uh, don't forget who Pinchas is, he's also a grandson of Aaron. Now, question, a little curious. They would have known that too. I mean, if they knew who his mother's father was, they probably certainly knew who his father's father was, given how prominent his father was. And as such, what exactly are they saying by referencing that he's from Yisro, who was involved in idolatry? Why are they focused on that? Okay, they want to taunt him with that. But even so, it just seems rather shallow and, and rather insufficient. Now, Jonas and Eipschitz, great, great, great thinker, of the uh, mid-1700s, shares the following fascinating perspective. This may not have been a taunt against Pinchas. This may have been an excuse that people were giving themselves. Getting back to our first question, why did nobody else take up sword? They had to answer that question to themselves as well. Why did I stay on the sidelines? Why didn't I display similar heroism? 
And to that, they may have answered themselves, oh, this needed somebody who had rather weak pedigree. This needed somebody whose background wasn't so particularly strong, with the logic being, and look how creative they're getting, that in order to really bring about a sanctification in God's name, in order to show that good stands against evil and good will succeed, it's all the better if it be somebody whose starting point is actually more associated with evil, more associated with trouble. It doesn't have the, all the givens as far as his background that make him the logical source of the good. If such a person stands up to fight evil, that's a greater manifestation of the accomplishments of good, the accomplishments of sanctification of God's name of Kiddush Hashem. So what they were doing was saying, oh, Pinchas, he's the one that he comes from a family whose ancestry was involved in fattening the animals to serve them to the gods, the small case G, gods. And he's the one who did it. Ah, that's why it kind of makes sense that he's the one who should have done this for the rest of us. We are people of distinction, people of note, and we would not have accomplished the same thing in fighting evil the way he did. And therefore, kind of, we are dismissed from any challenge as to why we didn't act. We were waiting for somebody like a Pentecost to do this job, to which God is saying, hey guys, look at the big picture here. Pentecost is also a descendant of Aaron. He's the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron, the Kohen, the high priest. And to the degree that you feel that it should have been somebody with rather shallow pedigree, all of you who don't emanate from an Aaron could have done the task as easily, or maybe even done better tasks than Pinchas, because if Pinchas does it and he's a grandson of Aaron, well, maybe that minimizes the success of the story over here, because after all, you'd expect him to take sword in hand, he's a grandson of Aaron. For the rest of you, you don't have an answer why you didn't take sword in hand, you're not descendants of Aaron, and you should have been the one to do so. Rabbi Yonas points to the fact that when it comes to trying to say why I'm not taking action, why I didn't take action, and we try to justify in our minds, deflect the guilt, or simply preserve our lethargy, or preserve our um, ambivalence, we can often be creative in coming up with theories as to why this mitzvah should really be done by somebody else. This project somebody else should be doing. There's always that someone other than myself that would be the best suited to do that task. Interestingly, we don't say that when it comes to who deserves some type of reward, who deserves to be treated nicely. We never say, oh, really, others more than myself. Then we manage to quickly find ways why it's coming to me, why it is appropriate to me. When it comes to responsibility, when it comes to obligation, when it comes to getting involved where it's not so easy and shouldering the difficult task, we have an easy time theorizing why it should be the other rather than ourselves. And, as a tactless takeaway message, we look at what it means to be able to be people who are actually accomplishing what we are meant to accomplish. We have to be able to evaluate the scene in front of me, the call to arms, the call to get involved, if it came my way, if I am aware of this need, could there be some reason why the message is coming my way for me to hear that message? 
for me to respond to that message. And if I find myself having to be rather creative in maneuvering out of it, is that creativity an indication that there's something over here that's out of whack? The natural is this is fit for me, and my creativity is a function of the fact that I'm trying to avoid what really is my responsibility. Pinchas took sword in hand, he did what he had to do, and again, no one's suggesting over here this was an easy task, but what Ravionos and Ibshis is indicating is that there probably were others who could have accomplished the same, who did not, and we forever don't know who they are. None of them became Pinchas who became the high priest. None of them became Pinchas who was gifted with longevity. And the most simple understanding of the story is granted many, many years. We find Pinchas later on in the book of Judges. By tradition, we find Pinchas interfacing much later in the book of Judges with Yiftach, which means he lived several centuries. And by further tradition, there's an opinion that the man we know as Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, had an earlier identity as Pinchas. Pinchas was elevated to be Elijah, in which case, Eliyahu Hanavi, who still shows up, you may not have seen him, me either, but we know traditionally he shows up at the Pesach Seder in every bris. There's a concept of his living on. Pinchas merited all of that and all those other, okay, it's not for me, I have this creative excuse, why not? They simply don't become that Pinchas or that Eliyahu. If we can be attentive to the fact that when there seems to be a need, there seems to be something of import, can I really give an objective way of gauging if this is appropriate to me? Or turn to the outsider to get verification as to whether I should be taking this on. Have somebody else evaluate based on my current responsibilities, my current other tasks, and my talent skill relative to this particular obligation. But rather than jumping to a creative conclusion that it's not for me, trying to determine if and when it is appropriate to me, hopefully thereby getting involved appropriately and successfully and developing the type of people who will be far more likely to achieve our topics.